Welcome to Point by Point, conversations, interviews, and legal commentary for today's business professionals. Brought to you by Waller. Business interruption insurance in the coronavirus era. Some say it can be a lifesaver for companies. Others say it will be worthless in the end. As with most things in life and insurance, the truth lies somewhere in between and will depend on a number of factors. Waller's Mark Bell joins us to separate fact from fiction. All right, welcome to Point by Point. With me today is Mark Bell, a partner whose practice focuses on insurance coverage and litigation matters. Um, Thanks for joining us, Mark. To kick things off, can you set the landscape for us? What are you hearing from clients as it relates to COVID-19 and the impact on business? Yeah, thanks very much for having me today. Um, We've been following this uh, topic very closely. I think the biggest question that I've been hearing is, do I have insurance coverage for this? Um, And to to do that, we kind of need to set the stage a little bit as we think through whether there is or isn't coverage. Um, It it is always going to depend on the language of the policy and the jurisdiction that's in question. Those two pieces are going to have a tremendous impact on whether or not there will be coverage. So there's not a uniform answer of yes, there is coverage or no, there is is not coverage. Uh, It's it's all going to depend on the specific policy language at issue and the jurisdiction where that's going to take place. Can you give us a couple of examples of dates maybe that that look at it differently? Are there differences that you can spell out in terms of how states interpret these policies? Yeah, sure. There uh, different states will have different rules of contractual interpretation and insurance policy ins- interpretation. Uh, for example, some states will follow what's called the reasonable, um, the reasonable expectations doctrine, where they'll basically take the position that whatever is the reasonable expectation of the policyholder, if it's supported by the policy language, there will be coverage for that. Other other jurisdictions are not as policyholder friendly, where they they don't give any credence whatsoever to the policyholders' expectations. Mark, I'm curious. So let's say that that I have a a policy in place, and are are there key phrases or key things that I should be looking for as a business owner uh, to make an argument that that I would be covered? Or what what are some key things I need to to be looking for in my policy and in the specific verbiage that um, can help me understand if, if I'm covered? Sure. And there's not any uniform policy, so I'll give some sort of overviews. Um, And there's two pieces of the policy that are going to come into play. The first is the coverage grant, or basically what is going to be covered by the policy. Um, There's not a uniform insurance policy, but the insurance services office um, provides a policy uh, forms and endorsements. And many insurance carriers will take those forms or endorsements and either copy them verbatim, or uh, they'll have minor tweaks and modifications to them. But a lot of the policies are going to be based on that similar language. Um, And in the insurance services office, there are really three coverage grants. There's what's called a narrow form or or limited form. Um, There is a broad form, and then there is a special form. The, The basic form, which is the limited form, will cover a certain specific perils. And if a peril's not listed on there, you'll have no coverage for it. Um, So in those, if you've got a basic policy, it's called a basic form policy in the ISO language, it will be tricky to find coverage because you won't see viruses or contaminants or pandemics that's listed there. There's a broad form which sort of follows the same track or trajectory. That is, if something is specifically listed as covered, you have coverage for it. 
again, the broad form does not have a pandemic virus or anything else type of coverage grant. So those two policies are going to be very difficult to get coverage under. Uh, the third form is what's called the special form policy, which basically is a, it's also routinely called the all risk policy. And what that means is that basically all risks of loss are going to be covered unless they are excluded. So that's the policy that, that is the most likely to be able to provide coverage is the special or all risk type policy. Now, again, not all, all risk policies are going to cover uh, the, the coronavirus or COVID-19, but at least in that area, you'll have a much better chance of coverage than you would have in the basic or broad form policy language. So in short, it sounds like it really depends on uh, the policy and the policies may be different. The jurisdiction and the interpretation may be different. So it sounds like there's there's a lot of unanswered questions that I'm sure we're going to be sorting out in the, the weeks and months to come. Um, are there certain actions, though, that, that our listeners should and could be taking now, either in terms of documentation or just trying to get a handle on what would be a part of a claim? Um, can you walk us through what they can be doing right now, even though they don't know for certain that it'll be covered, but at least in terms of to be able to start to make that argument or start to be able to get a handle on what could be involved in a claim. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the first and most important piece is actually getting your handle on the physical policies or electronic version of the actual current policy. Um, a lot of times we'll have clients that will send us a policy to review and the coverage period will be 2018 or 2019 um, and we'll cover the current period. So that, that's going to be the first step is to actually get the current policy that's in place. The policies can change over time. Uh, occasionally, brokers may, may place it with a different uh, insurance carrier altogether where the old policy will have no application whatsoever uh, to what's going on today. So the first part is to get a full copy of the full policy. Um, a lot of times, uh, clients will have maybe a certificate of insurance or they'll have a few pages of the policy, but really to be able to analyze and determine whether there's coverage, you need to get the current full version of the policy of what's actually in place today. That, that, that's the first step, obviously, is to get that policy. And the second is to take to review it and to be able to review the actual language. You may want to look to somebody that has experience in, in interpreting these things. Uh, a lot of times just simply asking the broker uh, or agent whether something is covered or not, uh, you may not get a, a fulsome answer as to whether that specific policy does cover it. A lot of brokers and agents are saying that either there is coverage for COVID or there's no coverage for COVID. Uh, more more agents than not are saying that there is not coverage for COVID, um, but but it's one of these things where there's not again a uniform answer that all these things are covered or they're all excluded. All right, thank you. Well, let me ask this question. So, is there a particular point that if I'm a business owner, I, I would want to get legal counsel involved either in reviewing the policy and, and helping to make that case, or at what what point would you advise clients to seek out counsel on on helping sort this out? Yeah, I, I think that it doesn't hurt, and it's worth it to get somebody involved right away. I know um, for a lot of clients, we are doing just no no cost or charge reviews for some clients. If 
if, if nothing else is requested or warranted, just to give a little uh, overview or advice as it relates to the policy in question. Uh, I know other, a lot of other lawyers um, are doing the same thing of being able to say, hey, this, these are the issues that you're going to have. Here are the sharp spots of your particular policy or your particular jurisdiction uh, so that business owners have a better sense of whether they, they have any chance of recovering under um, under their policy or they have a very, 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 very small to infinitesimal chance of getting any coverage. Um, so I think getting somebody involved early, it makes a lot of sense um, just so that way you can plan as a business owner of whether you have a shot of recovery or whether there's really not, not much of a chance. Um, I, I will add the caveat too that there are a number of jurisdictions. I think currently there are four jurisdictions um, where in the state legislature there is there are either bills that have been introduced or that are working their way through where uh, state legislatures have are, are attempting to um, put in legislation that would require insurance companies to cover coronavirus-related business interruption losses. It's very, very early in that stage. No jurisdictions have actually passed any of those yet, uh, and also there will certainly be challenges to those um, down, the, down the road of whether they're enforceable, whether they violate uh, state or federal uh, constitutions or ex post facto type laws. Um, so that, that's going to be something that will sort itself out over the longer term. But that is something that, that may play in, in your particular jurisdiction down the road of being able to understand whether the legislature is going to actually legislate for coverage in certain circumstances. Now, it's also my understanding that, that within the House of Representatives, there's been at least some discussion about kind of that on a broader level. Do, do you have any insight into kind of anything that might be happening at the federal level? Uh, yeah, a few weeks ago, there was a, a bipartisan group of 18 members that requested that insurers cover business interruption losses. Um, that was not uh, that was not well received. That that has not um, gone forward at this point. That insurers, I've seen a number of different things in publications that insurers are estimating the the losses that would result from covering all these claims for for all um, related businesses would be absolutely crippling to the insurance industry, and that they wouldn't be able to do it. So I I, I think that will be a, a challenge at the federal level. I think the state level, that's going to be a challenge too, um, but it, it is definitely worth watching and worth keeping an eye on. Is there any advantage to, to going ahead and starting this process early or are business owners okay if they kind of wait a few weeks until things kind of roll out a little bit and they get a chance to see the, the, the full impact? Uh, is there anything in regards to timing that business owners should be thinking about? Yeah, with, with any insurance uh, coverage, the timing is always important and, and providing notice to carriers as soon as possible is definitely preferred. Uh, you can be harmed by providing notice too late. There's some jurisdictions, if you don't provide timely notice, you can actually lose coverage altogether. Um, so it's very important to get the notice in as soon as reasonably practicable. Um, even if you don't know the full extent of all the losses, it doesn't hurt to provide notice and we will get that process started. Um, if you don't provide notice and, and you decide to wait, you know, six months, nine months, a year to figure out whether what the total amount of losses are, what everything's going to, how everything's going to shake out, uh, you may be faced with a, a hard um, battle on, on coverage because you didn't provide timely notice to the insurance carrier. 
So last question, obviously there's a, a lot of uncertainty right now. Is there any way to give a realistic timeline? So let's say that your insurer does provide some level of coverage and some level of payment. Any kind of an idea of a timeline of when business owners might be able to see some of this, or is it going to be a, a pretty long process to, to actually see funds that they can they can start using? Uh, it will likely be a, a bit of a process, and it's, again, going to determine that someone's going to be dependent on jurisdiction. Some jurisdictions have requirements for how promptly insurers have to pay claims. Uh, other jurisdictions don't have those same requirements or have different requirements as far as how promptly insurers have to turn around and pay the claims. I think in most circumstances, you would likely have to wait out the waiting period uh, or, so you could know for sure the full amount of damages that you're seeking and then be able to submit the final informal claim um, at that time and the insurer would have a certain amount of time to be able to respond to that and be able to give be able to pay out the funds so uh, it's not going to be something in the next I, w- I would be shocked if it was something where somebody got paid in the next 30 days or, or probably even 60 days I think that's probably that's probably far too optimistic uh, and and I know that there are a few lawsuits now there's been lawsuits in several different states for seeking coverage so um, when lawsuits start getting filed obviously that extends that duration of the claim process significantly too. So I think it's going to be a long um, fight, and I don't. I, I'm hopeful that that payments start getting made and issued early on, but I think it may be a while before people start seeing funds as it relates to the business interruption co- coverage for coronavirus. Excellent. Great feedback and great advice. Mark, we know uh, it's busy time right now. We thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Point by Point, brought to you by Waller. Visit the News and Insights section of our website to listen to more episodes, subscribe to the podcast, find show notes, and more.